Hey guys, welcome back to Sarah Says, the weekly podcast with me, Sarah, CEO and Chief Scrunchy Enthusiast over at Sockman Studios, talking about whatever it is that's on my mind, and happy fall la la holidays, everyone! We are back with week two of the mini extra edition podcast wrap-up of all of the Christmas movies that are airing here in 2021. Again, we have four more Hallmark movies starting next week, though, tomorrow, November 1st, there will be... Netflix one's coming out. I'm just looking ahead at my calendar here. Uh, We have three more regular Hallmark channels and a Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. Let's get into it because honestly, Hallmark, credit card, slamming the table, Ryan Pavey. Yes, let's go. Let's go. We, We, oh, okay. Okay. Starting out though, We have to do Friday's movie. That was Christmas in Harmony featuring Ashley Murray, Loretta Devine, Michelle Williams, and Luke James. It reads, Harmony is tricked into auditioning for the holiday chorus directed by an ex-boyfriend. By Christmas Eve, they could be harmonizing in the key of love. Honestly, I thought from the start that this was going to be cheesy and no shock. It absolutely was. Um... Uh, yeah, I gave it two stars, and I feel like that's being generous. <laughs> I mean, I guess it didn't get negative stars, but it probably could have. So, again, the Cliff Notes Twitter version of that synopsis it doesn't really do that movie any justice, but we open up the movie, Harmony is working in New York City at a music recording label. And she is expecting to get a promotion, but shock, shock, she's actually being downsized currently uh, because a merger that has happened that she helped make happen uh, has created redundancies. And so instead of getting promoted, uh, which she rightly should have been, she is being downsized. Her boss, who is truly terrible, is like, hey, it's not me. It's them. Like, I fought for you. But, like, I can't, there's only so much I can do. But, hey, you know what? I got you severance pay through the end of the year. So, take the vacation that you never take. And she's like, you know what? One day, you're going to need me and you're going to miss me. And I hope that I am around to see this day here. Like, hope it, hope it happens soon. Because you're going to need me. And, like... We'll see then. So she calls her mom. Her mom had already called her. She calls her mom back. She's like, hey, guess what? I can come home for Christmas. Her mom, played by Loretta Devine, who I love, was like, oh, this is so exciting. So she goes home. Once home, her mom needs her to go to the church. Um, They are very active in the church, and she needs her to go to the church to deliver uh well, first she goes to the church and the pastor, uh, deacon is like, Oh, your mom says that you're home for the holidays. Is there any way that you can direct the music performance this year? She's like, Oh no, you know, I can't do that. And he's like, Oh, well, you know, we could also use a singer and she, cause she was a singer previously. And she's like, Oh no. Like, yeah, sure. I can direct. And, and he's like, great. Her mom's like, yay. So then she's coming back later with pies, runs into her ex, uh, played by Luke James. His name is Kyle. 
and um, they run into each other. All the pies are ruined. And she's like, Kyle, what are you doing here? Turns out he is also there thinking he's going to direct the musical production that year uh, because the person who normally does it uh, was in a skiing accident and was hurt. And so he had called Kyle. So Kyle had come up. Yeah, just mixed, mixed signals, basically. Um, so her mother and her mother's like, don't worry, I'm going to fix this. She tries to smooth talk the uh, pastor deacon. I think it's deacon over. And he's like, well, if this is what she wants, like it's very important to her. But then they hear Kyle and Harmony out in the hallway going back and forth at each other, basically sing, sing fighting. I feel like there should be a word for that. And they're like, oh, they can be co-directors. Found the solution for everyone. Pats them on back. Kyle and Harmony are not happy about it, but they go along with it. Kyle is like, so all of this is fine, right? This is, this is fine. I don't have a problem with any of this. As the movie continues though, Kyle is nothing but openly supportive of Harmony and trying to get her to sing again. Uh, and which she keeps saying, no, I don't sing. No, I don't sing. No, I don't sing. Um, he doesn't really understand. And, and as we come to find out, he was supposed to go to New York with her. He didn't. She was heartbroken by that. And she still has this snow globe that her father had given her. Uh, her father had passed away. What comes to be, and this is where this movie went from like, okay, not bad. I, okay, whatever. This, like, we've seen this before, but okay turned into an absolute cringe fest and like rage cringe. I have a rage cringe for this storyline because I'm so, so sick and tired of seeing it happen. So Harmony and Kyle come to this point where um, she is going to sing the star part because Michelle Williams' character, who really wasn't even in it that much, uh, she plays Mel... Melo D. <laughs> it's M E L O and then D star. What an iconic name, everyone. The way they kept saying it, I was like, I wonder if Melody is spelled different. So now seeing it here, Melo D. Uh, one, she had walked into the recording studio label. And she was like, I want Harmony back. Harmony's the only one that understood. And you you guys have a problem on your hands. So figure it out or I'm calling my lawyers. Melanie and Harmony reconnect. And Harmony's like, hey, would you mind playing at this church Christmas um, musical? Because we have to raise a whole bunch of money to save the church for all these renovations that they need. And Melody is like, absolutely. Well, then something or other about a plane, whatever, they, they can't make it. And so Kyle's like, Harmony, you can do this. You, you've got this. So she agrees. And we're like, okay. And again, this is like, this is all fine. Then Mel, uh, then Harmony is told that this other woman was seen kissing or whatever. What turns out to be Luke's brother, but they just said the last name. So she goes to find Luke, confronts him, and he's like, what? The other girl's like, no, I'm I'm seeing his brother. And, and instead of Harmony being like, oh, wow, well, I'm, I'm stupid. <laughs> Her mother comes in, is like, everyone out. 
And then she's like, Harmony, we have to get on the same page here because like Luke was going to go with you to New York. It was never him. It was your father that convinced him not to go. And Harmony's like, what? And it goes to this scene previous where her father had reservations and thought that Harmony would put all of her effort into making Luke famous and wouldn't focus on her. So her father tells Luke, like, hey, why don't you wait a couple of months, let her get settled, and then go. So Luke gives her father the snow globe that then the father gives to Harmony that Harmony is carried around everywhere. But then... Before anything else can happen, her father dies. So Harmony has not been home in five years. Luke didn't go. Harmony thought he just left her. So instead of any of them talking to one another, there's been radio silence for five years. At this point, you would think that Harmony would be like, wow, wow, like, all of these things, like, I was already re-falling for you. Like, I still always had feelings for you, all of this. And, like, now, now this, this clears things up for me. Instead, she was like, I knew I should have never trusted you. I knew that you never believed in me. And I'm not doing the solo. And after this is over, we're going back to how things were before. Me on my own, because that's the only person that I can trust is myself. Rage. Absolute rage. I am so, so, so mother effing sick and tired of this tired ass storyline. I am so sick and tired of this storyline. Why do women written in these movies, written in books, mostly usually by females, if it's a book, it's, they're usually written by women. And this, I don't know who wrote this storyline. Why are women always portrayed as standing atop of this hill that they choose to die on that is so stupid that everyone is like, what are you doing? And then they, they hurt themselves, one. Then they hurt the people surrounding them that love. And then when they come off of that high hill, they almost never apologize. Like, you rarely do you see the woman being like, you know what? I'm really sorry. Like, I'm really sorry that I said those things to you and I did that. You, you don't. You really don't. The few times that I see it, I'm like, oh, thank God. It's just like glazed over. Normally in a Hallmark movie, it's the man apologizing to the woman. And I hate it. They could have, oh, this movie could have been just cheesy. And they're like, they could harmonize in the key of love, cheesy. But no, instead they went for a tired, recycled storyline of, it was just stupid. It was, it was so stupid and unnecessary to have this. So after she goes on for an hour and 50 minutes about how she doesn't sing anymore because the same boss that, well, I fought for you, I fought for you, that same boss that she helped get this merger all along, turns out, she had gone to the record label, had worked in the mailroom, gave, like, put her audition tape, whatever, there, and he was like, well, you're never going to be famous. Like, you're not a star. And instead of her being like, okay, screw you too, and leaving, she stayed there helping other people get famous. I, not me, not me. I mean, might've been me, but not me. 
Like, why? So, so anyway, after an hour and 15 minutes, we're being like, I don't sing anymore. I'm not good enough. They said I wasn't good enough. I just help other people get famous because I'm not good enough. What happens? Of course she sings. Of course she sings because Melody Star couldn't make it. Well, then Melody Star does make it and they sing Carol of the Bells. And and then she and Luke end up together. And I just, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm so, so sick of that plot line. I, ugh. Honestly, two, two out of five stars. It's really just because I enjoyed the other dialogue, but the, the whole storyline that, ugh, I hated it. I hated that. Okay, let's get to the good ones now. I need to say, though, first, Coyote Creek Christmas. One, I either keep messing up my intros to this one, so I have to keep restarting. Or two, they are so long. And I'm like, no, Sarah, cut it down. But I just... Oh, this movie is so good. This movie might be my absolute favorite. This one might be the untouchable standard now. It's so good. Anyway, I also need to start off with this quick disclaimer here. Uh, because will I be tagging Ryan in my Instagram stories once I post this podcast? As I do when I talk about people that are on social media and I say nice things? Yes, I will. Absolutely. Do I expect him to listen to this podcast? No, I do not. Is there a good chance, though, that he is going to see the Instagram story and know that there is a podcast where I talk about him? Yes. It has happened before. Not on the podcast world, but um, I get myself in trouble on TikTok. So, so Ryan, if you do hear this, um, look, you already live rent-free in my head because of the Christmas tree over the head thing. If you don't know, he just, he used to work on a Christmas tree farm. And when he was promoting Hope at Christmas, <laughs> there's a photo of him and he's just one-handed lifting a Christmas tree over his head. Just casual, as you do. Um, but Ryan, look, I get it. What I'm about to say, I understand. It's your character. I'm in love with your character. You are not Dylan Bailey. I get it, okay? Objectively, I understand. Non-objectively speaking, Hallmark knows exactly what it's doing when they put either Ryan Pavey or Travis Van Winkle with a small child to make them the father figure. It's an immediate yes. It is an immediate I need to buy this movie. It is an immediate credit card on the table. I want it. Like, please be the father of my children. I know, I know, I know. Who knows what you're like in real life. I think you seem like a cool dude, though. I hope you're, I hope you're nice. You take some really pretty photos. Sometimes they show up on my Instagram page. Um, anyway, so I know, just in case you listen to this, I understand. But also, um, <clears throat> reach out reach out to me. I would love to bring you to my Christmas parties and or start a Christmas tree farm. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. Moving on now. Coyote Creek Christmas was on Saturday with Janelle Parrish and as I said, Ryan Pavey. This is the gold standard for me. It originally reads, you know what, I almost don't even want to read what the original synopsis is because it was so horrifically bad of a synopsis. And I'm like, what was even the point of putting a synopsis here? It reads, a Christmas around the world party helps two people find love at home. Hallmark, reach out. Okay. One, the, <laughs> took me almost, it took me over 12 hours and part of that while I was sleeping to realize that 
he and his brother Jack are have a business together called the Bailey Brothers. Because he's Dylan Bailey. I, it took me forever to realize that that's a callback to It's a Wonderful Life. I was like, I love the subtle nod. Okay. I would, every time I try to detail the whole plot line of this, this gets incredibly long. So instead, let's just go over the main points of why this movie is different than any other Hallmark movie that I've ever watched, ever. Like, I don't think I've ever seen anything. <laughs> the means they said, oh, it's so good. Oh, God, it's so good. Okay. So first of all, um, Paige's, so the general synopsis is Paige is going to her family's inn at Coyote Creek that they run, and her parents, unbeknownst to her, want to sell. Dylan and his brother Jack own a company that has heard about this, and Jack sends Dylan and his son Noah to the inn to work on the paperwork to get this finalized. Her parents expected this company to come in in January. So they say, hey, can you do this on the lowdown? He says, sure. He and Paige meet. They hit it off. He realizes that she's the daughter. And he's like, okay. He does his work. He also hangs out with Paige, trying to help plan this party. All three of them bond, Paige, Dylan, and Noah. And he goes to the parents and says, you need to tell Paige the truth. Like, hey. I'm shocked. He says, I'm shocked that Paige doesn't want to take it over. They are shocked. And they're like, well, she's got her life in Denver. She's happy there. And he says, are you sure? And then he dead on looks them in the eyes, not threateningly, but says, you need to tell Paige the truth. Like, it's getting awkward for me. And you need to tell her the truth. She deserves to know the truth. They try to tell her the next day. They don't. She assumes that they want to pass it on to her. And she she goes on a whole spiel. And she's like, I'll consider taking this over. Then Dylan sits down, tells her that Noah's mom walked out when Noah was four. And apparently she just wasn't ready to be a mom. When has that ever happened in a Hallmark movie? Ever? Ever? God's never happened. Not once. That I know of. But then he says that Noah's never been happier. They all bond some more. But then later that night, Paige finds out because Jack calls and she's the one that gets the call that her parents want to sell. She confronts it. Well, Dylan happens to be right there. And even though I did just rail on the high horse of women standing on the hill dying on a stupid hill, we will give her her. And she wasn't really mean. She was mostly just her. Um in which she should have taken all of it out on her parents, but she takes a little bit out on Dylan. And she's like, why didn't you tell me? And he's like, well, I didn't really think it was my place. And it's not. And he's like, I told your parents to tell you. And, you know, I wanted to tell you, but I didn't think that was my place. And, you know, this was, I was just coming here for a job. I didn't expect to come here and get to know you. And hit wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like get to know you and like you. And... She's like, I don't want to hear it. The next morning, she confronts her parents. They go on a whole spiel. I was like, you might as well just save your breath, open up your mouth saying, I'm sorry. Uh, but, you know, they have the whole tired lines and everything. And she says, I'm an adult. I deserve to know the truth and I can handle the truth. We love that line. That was a spectacular line. They say, well, you know, but do you really run a, want to run the inn or do you just think that's what you have to do? And she says another great line. She says, I don't know. And I guess now we'll never find out. She goes into town. Dylan comes up to her. She's like, I, you know, I don't want to deal with this. 
And he says, I want to be upfront and honest with you. And I talked to your parents before I came looking for you. The people that we have that want to buy the inn want to completely rebuild it. They want to tear it down and rebuild it. We love this. We love the, again, he's like, I want to keep it above board with you. And she's like, look, you know what? It was a successful business trip for you, but I, I can't talk about this. She leaves. She gets back to the inn. Her best friend, Quinn, who works at the inn, told Julie, who works at the inn, who told George, who's the chef at the inn, who told Sarah, who's the town baker. And now everyone is there and they all want to stay at the inn. Dylan shows up and he's like, let me help you. There, everyone else is behind the desk looking and she's like, well, we don't need your help. Like, why would, why would we want your help? And everyone just kind of looks at her and she's like, okay, fine, you can help. He gets tents to come in. It's great. We love it. Um... And then he tells her, I don't want to leave tomorrow. And and then he's like, this is terrifying. I've, I've never even really thought about dating anyone in the four years. That's, it's just been me and Noah and I have to protect him. So maybe in a year or two, gives her a business card. And she says, I know what I want finally. I want a partner that I can build a life with. I don't want to wait a year or two until he's ready they part amicably as friends. We love this because when does that happen? That almost never happens. It's almost always a big, huge fight. Melodrama. He and Noah leave the next morning off to Grand Canyon finally. And his son Noah, who we love, looks at him dead in the eyes in the backseat. And he goes, you are being a complete and utter buffoon. Because he has a word of the day calendar. <laughs> we love it. So... His son's like, if we turn around right now, we can still make it in time for the Christmas party. So they go back. Oh, man, I missed my other great line. I mean, this isn't like imperative to the storyline. But um, as he, as Dylan's helping Paige decorate, uh, he asks her why they're putting all these cobwebs up. And so she tells him about this Ukrainian story of cobwebs that turned to gold when uh light had touched them and he says in only the way that i can't find it on here oh here it is i have a whole note section going on in only the way that ryan pavey in his deep deadpan voice can say he says oh i love stories about the importance of material wealth (laughs) That would have taken a few takes for me because it's just the way he says it. Oh, I love that. So anyway, back to like, uh, back to you, you are a complete and utter buffoon. They come back. <sighs> Guys. Okay. Let me set the scene. Party's going on. Everything's going great. Paige walks outside. We knew this was coming. Charlotte the marmot. The town has a mascot that's a marmot, which is kind of like a squirrel, uh, which they play hide and seek with, basically. And every time you find the marmot, you put another article of clothing on her and then rehide her. So she walks outside um, and she sees Charlotte with this wrapped up paper with a red bow on it. And she takes it and unwraps it. And it is the inn, a drawing of the inn. And he's behind her and he says... Kaido Creek in reimagine 2.0 if you're on board like managed by um or something by the Bailey brothers and uh managed by Paige Parker if you want and just so you know it's already been signed off by your parents and 
she's like, what, what is going on? Like, I, what? And he tells her, look, I, it just didn't sit right with me because he had to sign off on the project too. Like her parents had signed off. The people that wanted to buy it had signed off. His brother Jack had signed off, but Dylan also had to sign off and he just wasn't doing it. He's like, it just didn't feel right to me. This place is great as it is. And so I, I, I did this and, uh, made these improvements and told everyone that, you know, they can't get rid of the inn because it would just destroy the whole town. And when that didn't work, I showed them the numbers and she laughs and, and she's like, well, you know, this is great, but like, how do I know that I can trust you and you're not just going to walk out and leave again? And this is what he says. If he's not saying this to you, he's not good enough. He says, letting you down felt awful, and I never want to do that again. Last night, I was trying to do the right thing, trying to be a responsible, realistic, level-headed adult, which is really difficult to do anytime I look at you. It was never about Noah. Protecting him was about me. And she's like, oh, really? Well, you know, I kind of got that. And he says, so I want to stay because a week with you wasn't enough time. And I want to know everything about you. And I want to know how you like your eggs and the name of your first dog and where you were when you first heard the Beatles. I want to stick around. And not just for the weekend or for Christmas, but for at least until you get tired of me. Which you won't. Because as we've already established, I'm incredibly charming. Some might say irresistible. Which is a joke because he's going on about how he's not uh, charming or irresistible. And I just... I can't. And she was like, okay, well, because I was going to say before you and Noah left that it was starting to feel like the best Christmas ever. And if there is not a sequel, Coyote Creek Christmas 2, where they get married next year at the end, I will riot. I will riot. Honestly. I will give back marrying Mr. Darcy for a Coyote Creek Christmas too, where they get married. Don't get me wrong. I loved marrying Mr. Darcy. I was very excited for it after we got Unleashing Mr. Darcy, but I, I need this almost more than I need air. So Ryan, if you do hear this, or if someone that knows someone that works at Hallmark hears this, make it happen, please. Make, please. I'm begging you credit card on the table. I'm begging you, please give me a sequel to this one next year. It is so good. Absolute binge. This recording is staying on the DVR until it comes out on Amazon video so I can just buy it and watch it whenever I want. Moving on to the Saturday night movie that was on uh, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, The Christmas Promise, starring Tori DeVito, one of our absolute favorites, Patrick Duffy and Dylan Bruce. Seriously, put Dylan Bruce in more things. That read, Nicole learns to deal with grief with the help of her grandfather and a carpenter she hires to renovate the home that was once meant for her and her fiance. Tori DeVito, I really like her, but she, in my mind, it will always be Crazy Annie Carey from One Tree Hill. This movie, though, there was only one instance, but the rest of the time I was not even thinking of Crazy Nanny Carrie, and I love that. So, who knows? Maybe I'll start thinking of her as Nicole from The Christmas Promise now. 
Anyway, uh, this movie was very heartfelt, very, very movie mysteries movie. I mean, when I said last week that they only got nine movies, so they needed to deliver, they freaking delivered again. Credit card on the table. Dylan Bruce was, I need to see him in more things. His character, Joe, was so, ugh. Like, if he's not doing these things for you ladies, move along, okay? Um, so the movie starts off, Nicole works at a toy store that her fiancé, Henry, owns. They have this great life. They've just bought this house. He drives, like, the old, the old, old red Ford truck, you know, with the wood slats in the back. You know, the one that everyone uses as their decorations. <laughs> like, red truck and a white hutch. <laughs> TikTok sounds. Am I, am I too old to reference TikTok sounds at 33? I don't care. I don't care. Anyway, so they go by the house. He has this mistletoe. He's like, oh, you know, this is just the beginning of our lives. They go to an ugly sweater party that night at their friend Susan's house and they run out of ice. And so he says, okay, I'll run to the store to get it. We don't actually know what actually occurs. I assume it's just a regular car accident and he passes away. One year later, uh, Nicole is still there, but now she's trying to sell the house and she's also trying to sell the toy store. Um, she is at the house with her friend, Tom, who I, uh, is married to Susan and he's a real estate broker and she's outside and he says, okay, well you can sell the house, but there needs to be some work done. Like, you know, that Henry was going to do. So she says, okay, well let's find someone. Um, I just thought it was some guy that worked at the toy store too, but I think my mom said it and yeah, I, maybe so. Um, Teddy knows this guy, Joe, and I'm pretty sure Teddy is Henry's brother. And so he says, okay, well, I, I have a friend who's a carpenter, does really good work, all of this. Um, I'll have him come over. So she has, so she meets up with Joe and he says, um, but yeah, I can do that. Like, can't believe you want to sell this house. It's, it's so great and everything. Great neighborhood. And she's like, well, yeah, you know, I'm, I want to sell. And he says, well, do you want to walk me around inside? And she says, no, no, I don't need to be, I don't need to go inside. I, I don't really need to be part of any of this. Uh, whatever you think is right. I trust you. I just want to get this done so I can sell it. I thought that this was very bittersweet, poignant, and could be truthful to the grief of a young, like, technically she wasn't a widower because they were engaged, but when I was getting ready to start college, I unfortunately lost one of my cousins to a, dry, a drunk driving accident, and he was 22 at the time. He was married, uh, but I remember his wife's eyes at the funeral, and I remember, um, her buying a house. They had been in California and so she moved back to Ohio and I remember her buying a house and it, it just kind of filled it up with his stuff. And then, um, you know, she sold that house and, um, had everyone take all of his stuff and she, after a few years and she just couldn't look at it. So I thought that that was, a very nice touch to something that could really be, you know, that, that, that is a thing. So anyway, 
uh, Nicole's at the toy shop. Um, Susan has come by and she's like, get my cr- ugly Christmas sweater parties next week. Please come. Um, and to be fair, through most of the movie, I didn't like Susan. She redeems herself. Uh, and Nicole says, okay, I'll, I'll go. So the following week, Joe has come by to the toy shop and he's like, here's, uh, what I need from the lumberyard. She says, okay, let me go get my, uh, checkbook. Her sister Gail comes in and she's asking about the, uh, the sweater party that night. And Joe says, oh, well, you know, I'm going to be there. Uh, because, you know, Teddy and I found some really great ugly sweaters to wear. And he says, let me give you my phone number. And she says, no, no, I don't need it. Previous to this, in, in this week, she has also seen her grandfather, played by Patrick Duffy. And honestly, please raise your hand if you, uh, in your childhood, would watch TGIF Nights on ABC and he was the father in Step by Step and you felt personally victimized in last night's movie when he was her grandfather. I'm like, I am not old enough for this. My mom's like, well, I mean, he's in. I'm like, I am not old enough for that. He was playing the father in Step by Step. Mom's like, well, I grew up watching him in Dallas. I'm like, well, you're 66. So this makes sense. But this, I'm only 33. This is not, please, please, please. Um, and she asked him, how did you move on after grandma? And he said, you know, it was hard, but I wrote letters. I would just write her letters. And she says, well, do you still have those letters? And he says, I do have some. So she takes them uh, to read with one of her friends, Alan, from this friend group. And she decides to text Henry's phone number. Instead of writing letters, she sends a text message. And the phone buzzes and a mysterious hand picks it up. Obviously, spoiler alert, we already all know it's going to be Joe. So the following week when Joe's like, you know, let me give you my number. She's like, no, I don't need it. I'm like, mm, might be surprised, might be surprised. Uh, so he says, okay. Anyway, she goes to the ugly sweater party. They have a moment. He walks her home. They kind of talk back and forth. We find out that he was an army brat. And so he moved around a lot. And um, that's why he built houses now, because he wants to be able to do something permanent. And she says, well, you know, why haven't you still, like, you still don't have a house. Why haven't you picked a place? And he says, well, and I love this line. He says, I'm still looking for the right place to build a foundation. And honestly, I thought that was going to come back up at the end at some point. It does not. And I'm only a little hurt by that because that was such a good line. That was an A++ line. So anyway, they end up hanging out a lot. She starts laughing again. All of these things. She keeps texting the phone number. The phone number does then start texting back. And nothing nothing is given away to where the phone number, like where Joe, because it's, it is his phone number now, uh, knows that it's her and she never figures out that it's him. But he says after like the second message sent, um, a message comes back saying, you know, I'm sorry that you are going through loss. And I know what that's like. Three years ago, I lost my brother. And, uh, he says, um, oh, I have it written in here. He says, while my grief may never end, if I can take one step a day, my grief is a place I won't stay for long. I'm not going to cry right now. Uh, but I thought that was a really, really sweet line. And then another text comes in and he says, uh, don't ever give up on your dreams because your dreams will be what lights your darkest hours. They 
just fond a lot. He has the line from the Jude Law line from the holiday at one point where he says, you don't cry. Like, I cry about everything. I cry at the popcorn at the movie. Like, the po- little popcorn thing before the movie starts at the movie theater. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know. I know whoever wrote this watches a lot of the holiday, but I'm not mad about it. Um, so anyway, another cute line. She's at the house one day and her car won't start. And he says, well, let me drive you home. She says, no, that's okay. I'll just walk. And he says, well, let me walk you home. And she says, no, that's okay. You've already walked me home once. And he says, well, let me walk you home twice. Mm. (sighs) I love him. I love it. I love it so freaking much. So that time as they're walking by, she starts telling him how her and her sister Gail would rate the houses for their Christmas decorations. And and so then it starts this whole thing where he'll ask about, like, ratings and everything. Anyway, <laughs> moving on, they end up at this, um, um, uh, looking at my notes here. Oh, okay. Well, like, so then he asks her to dinner. He does mention his brother after they do the Olympic thing. And they go to dinner and he mentions his brother. I was like, oh, but he doesn't say anything about his brother passing away. So I was like, oh, okay, never mind. Guess we're, guess we're not getting that cookie crumb in here, but okay. Um, and so she later that night texts the phone again and she says that it's hard for her to feel the holiday joy and he texts back saying to not pack the memories away, but embrace them. So at that point, they decide to meet up. The phone numbers decide to meet up. When that night comes that she's supposed to meet up with the, the phone number, who's Joe? But she doesn't know that it's Joe yet. Uh, Joe has stopped by the apartment because Susan at this little Christmas fair a couple days prior, uh, had been there, like, they're at this little booth thing with Gail and Susan and, and, um, Nicole are all there, and he comes up, and he's talking about how he's almost done with the house and how he had booked another job starting at the beginning of the year, and Susan says, oh, well, have you ever been to Nicole's apartment? Uh, because her shelves need looked at, and Gail's like, oh, yeah, they're practically falling apart, and he goes, oh, well, okay, I mean, I guess I can probably push back the job a couple of weeks. He walks away, he's like, all right, bye, ladies. There's this complete moment of silence where Nicole is just speechlessly looking at Gail and Susan and then there's a moment of silence and then Susan says well he's helpful to have around (laughs) so anyway he shows up so she's walking outside I'm gonna tell you Hallmark nearly did me in she's walking outside he's walking up my mom and I because she was actually like we're both watching it that night my mom's like at the same time we're like wait is he not the phone number? <laughs> like, wait a second. I start mentally, I'm like, okay, well, but if it's not him, like, well, it's not Alan, and it's it's not Teddy. Well, I don't think it's Teddy. It might be Teddy. I don't like, who, like, well, probably isn't Teddy, because why would he get his dead brother's phone number? I, I'm like, who, who could it be? It's got to be Joe. And so Joe's like, oh, are you going somewhere? She's like, oh, you know, I'm meeting up with a friend. He's like, oh, that's nice. Um, So there's like this moment they're standing there, and then he kisses her. <laughs> And he pulls away and she says, what was that? And he goes, a good night kiss. And she says, a good night kiss question mark. And he says, excuse me. And she says, we don't just give someone a good night kiss and then put a question mark at the end. That felt like a good night kiss with an exclamation point. 
<laughs> so they have this like semantics moment and then she kisses him <laughs> because it, he's she's like look we are friends and I'm going to go meet up with a friend and I think you should go meet up with friends and he's like well actually I'm going off to meet with the friend too right now and that's when she kisses him and then she pulls back and she says I didn't mean to do that <laughs> And she says, I'm going to go. And he goes, okay, well, have fun with your friends, quotation marks. I don't know who had that whole exchange, but that was such a good exchange. I love it. I think that'll live rent free in my head now for the rest of my life. A good night kiss question mark? Excuse me? Well, you don't just give someone a good night kiss and then add a question mark at the end. That sounded like a good night kiss with an exclamation point. So anyway, She's at the restaurant. Joe walks around the corner to said restaurant, sees it's her. Of course, it's a very you've got mail. And then the Hallmark equivalent is like a letter in a bottle, love in a bottle, something like that with Bethany Joylance and Andrew Walker, where they realize who they're supposed to meet up with. And they're like, no, wait. Um, actually, there's another one with Andrew Walker and Lacey Chabert with the inn in the winery, too. Um, happens all the time. And I was like, no. So anyway, she gets a text and is like, sorry, something came up. I can't meet you. He has coffee with Teddy the next day. And Teddy's like, why don't you just tell her? Like, she would understand. And he goes, Teddy, I have real feelings for her. And I, I had no idea that it was her. And then when I saw that it was her, I was so excited. And, but like, I don't, I don't want to mess this up. And Teddy's like, we should tell her. And, and he's like, I can't. So can you just give her this? Gives Teddy an envelope. Teddy gives it to her. It's a note saying like, sorry, I can't do your shelves. I took another job. Merry Christmas. You know, stay well. She gets to the house before he leaves. He's like, oh, I was just packing up. And she says, can you show me the house first? And he says, you want to see the house? This is the first time that she's walked in the house since Henry's died. Huge moment. Had some tears in my eyes. And before he leaves, she says, Joe, I would very much like to have you in my life. And he says, okay, Nick, we can do that. He leaves. Guys, he left the phone. He left the phone. I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, no. So she just takes the phone, calls Teddy. She's, she's like, hey, Teddy, uh, Joe left his phone at the house. I don't think I'm going to see him for a while. So I'm going to bring it to the shop in the morning and you can get it to him. Hangs up. She sends a text message. I was like, no. And she just, you know, says, thank you. Like, you've helped me. Out. Like, sorry we couldn't meet up, but you've really helped me a lot this year. All this. The phone buzzes. She knows. I'm like, ugh. He gets the phone back. He opens it up. There's just a text message. And she's like, I know it was you. I was like, crazy, Nanny Carrie, that you? So she goes to this tree. She had told him about this tree that she'd always wanted to decorate and she never had. And he's like, you should decorate it. Well, she'd put a couple decorations up and then she shows up. It's fully decorated. I can only assume that it was Joe. He shows up and she's like, I don't understand. Like, why didn't you tell me? Like, this is a Christmas miracle. Like, what in the Christmas miracle? Out of all the phone numbers you could have had, you get Henry's? Like, why didn't you tell me? And he's like, I just, I was scared and I am this person for you and I want to be this person for you. And she's like, well, I don't trust you. And I, again, towing the line here, but also she was opening up. She was being vulnerable. And then he just kind of scampered off with not really an explanation. So I can, I can understand what she's saying. And so he leaves dejectedly. She goes to her friend Susan's house. They have this scavenger hunt. 
And she's like, oh, it looks like they found everything. Susan's like, oh, no, can you help Alan find the wrapped present? She finds their half present and opens it up. This is after it, she and Teddy had also talked. And Teddy is like, Joe's a good guy. Like, he really didn't know it was you. And he really has feelings for you. And it's okay to move on. And, like, don't let that stop you from being with him. Because um, he's like, you are so tough. Like, this last year, you are so tough. And you you can do this. So, anyway with those words in her mind and then the scavenger hunt, uh, she opens up the box, the present. It's her house in miniature. Joe made it. Because of course he did. <sighs> I love it. So it makes the house. She looks up at Teddy and she's like, where is he? She goes off. He's not at the apartment. There's a blonde getting out of a red truck. And I was like, wait, we have one minute. What's going to happen? She gets to her house. He's outside. He lights it up. There's a reindeer statue, and I just know it's Blitzen, because when they were raiding all of the houses, she mentions how this one house doesn't have Blitzen, and that's her favorite reindeer. So he says, she's like, you did all of this? And he says, well, I just thought that the lights would help sell the house. And she's like, I'm not selling the house. Because you're not? She's like, I'm not selling this house that you helped rebuild. Like, I want to live my life here and make memories with with you. I think that's what she said. I don't know. I was melting in a puddle. I was, I was literally melting. And, um... Uh, so he kisses her and he says, on a scale, like, how would you rate that kiss? And she goes, mm, 9.5. And he says, only a 9.5? And she says, well, kiss me again and let's see if we can get to 10. And it was so good. It was so good. That is honestly what Hallmark movies are made of. Rounding out the movies for this week was Sunday Night's movie over on regular Hallmark Channel, Christmas Sale, featuring Katie Sackoff, Patrick Sabungi, and Terry O'Quinn. Which I love Terry O'Quinn from Alias Days. Uh, this says, when Liz returns home to take care of her estranged father, she is determined to give her daughter a perfect Christmas and reconnects with her best friend. I was unsure about this movie. I was correct, though. It does take place in the West Coast sailing region. She says they have to get back to Seattle and they take a ferry. So I am assuming it, this is also in the state of Washington. Um, this movie, honestly, just finished it. And I'm, it, I, it's kind of felt like it needed to be on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. Didn't hate it, though. I did cry at the end. It did make me cry. Okay, so that is, uh, I am two for four movies this weekend making me cry on Hallmark Channel. So... Again, Hallmark killed it. Um, Liz is, works at a hotel. I think she's an event planner or she's a decorator or something. She's doing this. She and her daughter Hannah are currently living at a hotel because her their house had fire damage. And they're talking about what they're going to do for the holidays. Um, when she gets a call that her dad, uh, who Dennis, who's played by Terry O'Quinn, uh, was saving a little girl from a wayward Christmas tree and has hurt his hand and needs help from one of their friends, Mrs. Benson, uh, Joyce. Uh, it took me forever to figure out, to get her name in there. So, um, so she and Hannah go off. What we see at the very beginning is this, uh, like when they were kids, her and her best friend, Luke, who is Patrick Sabungi's character, going on this boat called My Darling Mary. And, 
what we come to find is Luke is now grown, still living in the town, and plays chess with Dennis, is friends with him, um, helps his mother at her flower shop. He does construction stuff. So when Liz and Hannah get there, Luke is there to greet them. And Hannah's like, oh my gosh, like, Luke, all of this. He meets Hannah and he's like, hey, you like, I'm the one here to pick you up. Uh, Mrs. Benson had other things she had to get done. So I'm your ride. And she sees this, that the Christmas boat parade of lights now has a, um, $25,000 prize. She's like, oh my gosh, when do they start doing prizes? And he's like, well, how long has it been since you've been home? And it's been four years. Um, or I think, I think so. I could have just pulled that number out. I'm pretty sure she said four years. And, um, he's like, well, you know, yeah, it's been going on for a while. Uh, cause the mayor was hoping that it would increase, uh, visitors. So she's like, really? Like, that's wild. And he's like, well, don't even think about it. Like, not even your mom could get the boat in shape at this point. There's, you've got a week. And she's like, excuse me? She thought that the boat had been sold after her mother had passed away. Surprise, surprise. It has not been sold. And it is, well, it's not really that in that bad of shape. It could be way worse. I was expecting way worse than what we got. She goes off to the house. Dennis is there. He's shocked. He's like, oh, well, hey, kid, what's going on? And she's like, Joyce called, said you need help. Um, and he's like, well, you can stay as long as you like. It's kind of a frosty greeting. She's like, well, you know, we'll just stay through Christmas and make sure you're on your feet. He points down to his feet. I mean, he's just got his, his wrist, not even his wrist. It was like his thumb, basically, in a little sling thing. He's like... I'm fine. It's just sore. It's not a big deal. Um, so like short visit if you're just waiting for me to be on my feet. And she's like, well, all the same, we'll stay through Christmas. Um, there's no Christmas decorations around in this house. And Hannah comes down and she's like, just as I suspected, no tree upstairs either. <laughs> so she and Hannah go off. They're walking through the town. Hannah spots the house is for sale. She goes back. She's like, how could you not tell me you're selling the house? He's like, I'm not selling it. The bank is selling it. So I immediately was like, oh, she's got to win the boat thing to save the house. Ah, I see. I see. Well, that was not her first thought. Her first thought was that she would use the insurance money from her house to, I don't know, pay the, pay the back mortgage on it or, or whatever, uh, you know, to get it out of the bank's hold and everything. Um, but then she raises her hand, uh, at the town, um, uh, a town ceremony of some kind, tree lighting, I think, uh, and says, I, like, I want to enter into the boats, right, boat parade. So, uh, cause they were, she, her mother was famous for, well, I don't know if they were winning anything back when her mom was doing it, but anyway, her mom was very good at doing this. Uh, and Luke's like, what are you doing? She's like, I don't know, probably something that I'm going to regret later. The next day, Hannah and Liz are there to work on the boat. Turns out Luke is living on a boat right next to them. And they end up conning him into helping work on the boat. It was super cute. And she's like, well, if you want to do it for me, we do it for her. And Hannah's like, please, Mr. Luke, please help me. He's like, that's, that's low. He and his best friend Marcus are walking around town. And Marcus is like, wow, you're like, here you are working with the one that got away. And Luke's like, she didn't get away. And Marcus is like, I just don't understand. Like, you guys were attached to the hip. You even went to college together. 
what happened? And Luke's like, you know, it just, it, it wasn't it. Like, I came back after Dad died and she uh, went back and then she started bringing Kevin around you know, that she married. She comes up and Marcus is like, you should take the rest of the day off. Help with the boat. And Luke's like, do you forget that I'm your boss? And Marcus is like, oh, feels like a partnership. So he's trying to push them to together. And, you know, we, we love that. Because uh, Marcus is happily married. He just wants to see Luke, you know, happy. So anyway, they work on the house. She invites him over for dinner. Her father has decided to cook. They walk in. There's garland up. All, like, the house is starting to get decorated. Uh, and Hannah's like, you put my wreath out front. And he's like, I want everyone to know how great my granddaughter is. We love that. Um, I mean, yeah, for an estranged family... They weren't super straight. Uh, well, I mean, he's like, you never came around. And she's like, well, why would you expect me to? Like, you got rid of all of mom's Christmas decorations and all of this. Like, you know, why would I want to be here? But I mean, like, to be fair, it was, like, wasn't really a vicious fight. So anyway, um, they are working on the boat and all of this. They talk about the winter ball that the town has. And Hannah's like, Luke, will you take mom and I to the winter ball? And he's like, oh, I've only been one time and, like, never again. They end up going again, obviously. They go, and he tells her, you, do you know why I never came back here after, I think he said senior year, and she says, why? And he says, because I had made this whole moment in my mind of everything that I wanted it to be, and I was going to ask you to dance, and I was going to lean in and whisper in your ear all the things that I'd always wanted to say. And she's like, hey, but you never asked me to dance. He's like, I know, I chickened out. And she said, okay, well, okay, let's, for argument's sake, what what was it you were going to say to me? And he leans in and he says, Liz, darling. Which, by the way, I don't want to ruin the moment here. Last year where we had Christmas with the Darlings, and that was a whole Darling family. So why are we having another family with the last name of Darling? Anyway, he says, Liz, darling, I am in love with you and I always have been. That's so sweet. They kiss. And then he's like, you know, I wouldn't trade any of that time because, or he said, well, first he says, I wish I could go back then. Um, but you know, now we have now. And she is like, well, you know, I have, Hannah and I have a life at, in Seattle and I have a job and I have friends and you, know, we have a house. Well, you know, sort of. Um, she's like, I can't give that up. And she's like, would you give up this town and he's like we know I've got mom and I've got my business and so they they're like you know it just wasn't the right time it's just like again it's not the right time but you know you know that I care about you deeply and so and I love like I'm not mad about this because I appreciate that there's no big melodramatic huff off uh through all of this this is very adult, and that's why I love this. So anyway, um, they get to the the boat parade, and she's there with her dad and Hannah. They're on the boat, and they they're sailing down. Everything's going great, and then her dad is like releasing the sail. And she's like, "Dad, what are you doing? We don't need to do this." Oh, because Luke had gone to Dennis and said. Dennis, I'm in love with your daughter. And Dennis is like, what can I do? And he's like, well, I need your help. <laughs> so she's like, Dad, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm just doing what I was told. 
This is where I cried. He releases the sail. And then there's a projector that had made it onto the boat. And it's projecting old photos of, the, like, old family photos, like, of her mom. Obviously, the town all knew her mom. So, like, the judges are crying. I was crying. And she looks at Dennis and she's like, Dad, did you do this? And he says, no, Luke comes up from the bottom of the boat. And honestly, I thought I was going to propose, but he was just like, I don't care. Like, we'll find a way to make this work. I, I love you. It's just like, Luke, stop talking. They kiss. Hannah's there. Dennis like covers her eyes. (laughs) So sweet. Anyway, Christmas morning, they're all on the boat and he has decided to sell the, um, my darling Mary. So they get a family photo. Joyce is also in it because they're like, Joyce, he said family, get in here. Um, yeah, I was not expecting to cry in this movie, but I did. And for that, it's a binge. I feel like there were parts though that I missed like, because, and I don't know if you're going to hear it or not, but, um, my dog is with me in the city right now. And so she might be snoring loudly at times. Um, And so I was trying to take care of her and do stuff. So I feel like there were parts that I missed. So I would definitely rewatch it again. Not as good as Coyote Creek Christmas, but it did make me cry. And there was nothing there. It was, I just, I appreciate the refreshingness of not having melodramatics. I really do. It's a rare form lately in Hallmark movies. So anyway, yeah, this one was also a binge. On that note, I am heading out of here. You know, the mini wrap-up podcast doesn't seem so mini when it goes over an hour. I will try to make Cliff Notes versions of these movies starting next week because we will have seven movies to review. That is right. In addition to the Hallmark movies, we are now adding in Netflix movies as well. So on regular Hallmark Channel next week, we have Open by Christmas, Next Stop Christmas, which is the Back to the Future cast movie, and then A Christmas Treasure on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. We have the Saturday Night Movie, a Debbie Maycomber's A Mrs. Miracle Christmas that has Caroline Ray. I love her. She's one of the aunts from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the good one, not the creepy one on Netflix. Uh, and also one of my favorites, Steve Lund. And then over on Netflix, we will have three new movies, The Claus Family, Love Hard, and Father Christmas is Back. So buckle up, buckle up, everyone. Get your eggnog ready. We got lots of movies. Got to figure out what who's on the nice list and who's on the naughty list. What to binge, what to cringe. Oh man, I just I'm I'm like I'm mentally preparing for this. Anyway, until next week, the mini wrap up. Remember, never stand under the mistletoe with the guy who doesn't say something like, "A week with you wasn't enough time." I want to know how you like your eggs. I want to know the name of your first dog. The Beatles line was a little weird, but so I want to stay, not just for a week, not just for Christmas. I want to stay. Well, at least until you get sick of me. I could never, I could never get sick of you, Ryan Pavey, aka Dylan Bailey, whatever, whoever you are. I love you. Anyway, until next week, I will see you guys next time.